My name is Alan Mulhern. Welcome to the Quest series. This is the Young mini-series within it. Today our topic is Young and Alchemy, Part B. In our last podcast, we observed that the secret of the golden flower threw light on alchemy for Young. It's a very short Taoist text, enigmatically written, full of poetic allusion and metaphor. It is one of the most potent meditation tools. It is supercharged and highly condensed one moment capturing everything like a nugget of gold and then evaporating like morning mist on a lake. For Young, it was a gift, for it had layer upon layer, which were marvellously compacted, of which the elusive European alchemical texts were a parallel. These layers included alchemical references, a path of personal development, the transition from a lower to higher spiritual form, the union of opposites, conscious and unconscious, male and female, dark and light and so on, the embryo, or birth of the child, the diamond body, the purpose of life, oneness with the Tao, and preparation for death, animus and anima, the inclusion of darkness in the dialogue with consciousness, the integration of the feminine, emphasis on adepts finding their own enlightenment within themselves, and identification of this process with the destiny of humanity. The secret of the golden flower lifted Jung out of the European past and showed him a worldwide parallel symbolism with what he had discovered in his psychological researches in himself and his patients. Principles he promoted, such as the importance of integrating the shadow, the union of opposites, not their splitting, the integration of the feminine, the individuation process, and the wholeness of the self-image, were not convincingly possible to reconcile with Christianity but they work in the secret of the golden flower. This text provided the realisation that he was indeed dealing with an archetype of transformation, that this was the natural way the deep psyche communicated. The secret of the golden flower and alchemical texts were the symbolic language of the deep psyche. He saw how this linked to Gnosticism, another primal language of the soul that had been practically extinguished by Christianity. How the Redeemer was not an outside God, but was within the adept, and cried out to consciousness to be rescued from the darkness. For Gnosticism and alchemy, it was not church doctrine or faith, or the fear of punishment for sin, that was the agent of transformation. This lay within as a natural force, what Jung was to call the individuation process that led to the archetype of the self. Anne Baring, in a beautifully written chapter 18 of her book, The Dream of the Cosmos, A Quest for the Soul, outlines the essentially spiritual nature of the alchemical quest. Acknowledging Jung as a pioneer in this field, she elucidates the stages of alchemy which begin with the negredo, whose element is fire, the prima materia, also called the dragon, or massa confusa, in the alchemical retort, alluding to the dark phase of the moon, this is the original, unintegrated, undeveloped state of the human being at the start of the work, the opus. This early blackening stage is linked to putrefactio, decay, calcinatio, burning, and mortificatio, dying. The negredo is our earthly existence with depression, the shadow, trauma, suffering, alienation, loss or sorrow, which is to say, it is the prima materia of psychotherapy that which the psyche seeks to transform.
Next, the albedo, whose element is water, also known as the young queen, the dove of the Holy Spirit, the white stone, the white rose. It is the solucia, or purificatio, a regenerative force, full of feelings. The heart awakens to the feminine principle and connects to the soul. The sun has set, and the shining albedo moves in the depths of the psyche, like the changing face of the moon, bringing a new relationship to the soul. The old prejudices, the ways of pride and stubbornness, diminish. One's value system is turned inside out. One's problems are revealed, and they begin to dissolve in the waters of the psyche. The albedo lightens the dawn sky, and the old personality begins its transformation in the ablutions, the washings, purifications, and immersions in the waters. The heating by fire separates the rust which has obscured the gold of spirit. There are images of the sun, previous consciousness, immersed in the fountain of Hermes or Mercurius, the agents of transformation. And the old king, or the old values, is heated and sweating. The king, consciousness, and the queen, the unconscious, unite in the first conjunctio, in the waters of the soul. Rebirth begins, and the soul begins the magic of transmutation, now that the ego and its personality components are more fluid and aligned to the deeper waters of the psyche. The rubedo is the rising dawn, the colour of red gold, the mystical union which is a rebirth through the solar king and lunar queen, the conscious and the unconscious, who were previously separated. The spirit breaks through, the spiritual imagination awakes, New possibilities emerge, the heart comes to the fore, and one feels totally unified and alive. Enlightenment is possible. This conjunctio has repeated movements, the circulatio. It creates an embryo and then a child. The process is circulatory. One unites with the transcendent and the philosopher's stone, the unity of the psyche, the transformed personality, which creates tremendous energy the multiplication. The above may lead to transformation, which is the union of the male and female, body, soul and spirit. Seven processes involved in the alchemical great work are outlined by Anne Baring. The rescue of the lost spirit hidden within nature and ourselves. The process of transformation involved in this rescue. The death of the old consciousness symbolised by the old king and queen. The formation of new consciousness, symbolised by the young king and queen. The formation of the hermaphrodite, the union of the two transformed elements. The integration of body, soul and spirit. And Bering writes, quote, The final phase of alchemy is about becoming aware of and entering the immortal body of light. The integration of body, soul and spirit and the union with the divine ground that the alchemists called the Unus Mundus. A primary symbol of the Rubedo is the phoenix, symbolising life regenerated from the ashes of the old unconscious life. The beautiful and evocative images of the treasure belong to this final stage. Alchemists had many names for it. The quintessential gold, the stone of the wise, the pearl of great price the golden phoenix, the elixir of life.
Through his intense study of alchemy, all the dispersed elements gathered together for Jung into a whole. He realised that the wisdom of the ancient world, Christian and Gnostic myths, and the alchemy traditions arose from the deep psyche, the soul that expresses the collective experience of humanity. They show changing archetypal structures over time that are embodied in individuals and the collective. They give humanity its health and healing. Nevertheless, they need to change and develop. If they do not, they wither and die like the old king in the wasteland. It becomes the task of the prophet or alchemist to breathe new life into the emerging reality, create new language that can translate the ancient wisdom and give it a contemporary form. In Modern Man in Search of a Soul, Jung says, quote, This living spirit is eternally renewed and pursues its goal in manifold and inconceivable ways throughout the history of mankind. Measured against it, the names and forms which men have given it mean little enough. They are only the changing leaves and blossoms on the stem of the eternal tree. Unquote. The contemporary psyche, Jung insisted, is alienated from its deeper and truer self and in a sterile wasteland because consciousness is disconnected from its guiding myths and the deep psyche. In this state, it is also very vulnerable to the winds of ideology that created so much evil in the 20th century. It is so easily overcome by archetypal forces because it lacks its own healthy relationship to them. Thus Nazism and Communism could offer deeply false visions of utopia and possess the hearts of millions who carried out the most atrocious wishes of their psychopathic leaders. Sickness or neurosis can arise through an incompleteness of the psyche, an absence of that which it needs. Health, by contrast, is a state of wholeness, where the conscious and the unconscious are in collaboration. Dreams, synchronistic events, and a dialogue with the deep psyche are the natural expression of this wholeness. Insofar as contemporary consciousness denies this reality of the deep psyche, it is unwhole, sick and in danger. The unus mundus is an interconnected field, a unity of everything. The alchemist and the mystic perceive the all-encompassing web of the cosmos that includes human consciousness. It naturally expresses itself in symbols, synchronicities, dreams, healing, visionary experience, revelations, prophecies and enlightenment. This field is the Tao for the Chinese or the Pleroma for the Gnostic philosopher Basilides. It is both transcendent and imminent, both beyond and within everything, yet it can be seen in mystic visions. Jung knew that the Christian myth was in serious decline, as well as observing it all around him, he knew it from his patients, and above all from within himself. A new myth, or perhaps an old one reborn, was painfully needed, which included a new image of God, and where nature and spirit were unified. God could no longer be a fixed and static outside force, but had to be within the evolutionary process. God evolves through nature, but also through humanity. Like the alchemist, humanity has, if not the destiny, then the possibility of facilitating the essence of nature 
to evolve into transformed human nature. God needs to be realised through mankind. Young comments in Psychology and Alchemy, quote, It was only quite late that we realised, or rather are beginning to realise, that God is reality itself, and therefore, last but not least, man. This realisation is a millennial process. Unquote. Young gave a great deal to alchemy, facilitating its understanding as a container or vehicle into which the projections of the collective unconscious could be poured without the impediments of reasoning or ecclesiastical doctrine. The transformation of lead to gold, or the attainment of immortality, and the elixir of life were not possible as literal events, but they were rich metaphors and symbols for the spiritual journey and also for that of Jungian depth psychotherapy. But alchemy and the traditions surrounding it, in turn, gave an enormous amount back to Jung. In Memories, Dreams and Reflections, he writes, quote, Through the study of these collective transformations processes, and through understanding of alchemical symbolism, I arrived at the central concept of my psychology, the process of individuation. Unquote. Edward Edinger gave an image of the ego-self-axis, with the centre of the personality being located somewhere on this axis, perhaps identified with or close to the ego pole, especially in the first half of life. In his book, Ego and Archetype, he summarised Jung's ideas of individuation as follows. Quote, the self is the ordering and unifying centre of the total psyche, conscious and unconscious just as the ego is the centre of the conscious personality. The current working formula is the first half of life, ego-self-separation, and the second half of life, ego-self-reunion. He continues, The process of alternation between ego-self-union and ego-self-separation seems to occur repeatedly throughout the life of the individual, both in childhood and maturity. Indeed, this cyclic, or better, spiral formula seems to express the basic process of psychological development from birth to death. Unquote. As the ego separates out from the self, it can become cut off from the root from which it came. It may forget it entirely, or deny it and believe itself the centre. At this point, the solar principle embodied in ego consciousness may crash, and meaning is lost. It is symbolically a death, a descent to depression, darkness and the underworld. Here, in the lunar world, new feelings may emerge. A reorientation of the psyche begins. New meaning is discovered. The male revalues the repressed female in himself, and new possibilities for wholeness occur. The union of the male and female, the conjunctio, becomes possible. A symbolic new birth takes place. The divine child emerges. There is even the possibility of an integration of the male and female in one person, which takes the symbol of the hermaphrodite in dreams and in the alchemical process. The Secret of the Golden Flower arrived for Jung in 1928, when Richard Wilhelm gave him the translation of this ancient Eastern text, which indeed gave him the light for it is precisely this which the Secret of the Golden Flower describes, the location and circulation of the light within the subtle body 
which transforms the adept. And this is what it did for Jung. The light of his higher consciousness ignited, and the circulation began, and he identified completely with the alchemist transformation process. He writes, The experiences of the alchemist were, in a sense, my experiences, and their world was my world. Thus, I had at last reached the ground which underlay my own experiences of the years 1913 to 1917. That is, descent or confrontation with the unconscious. He continues, For the process through which I had passed at that time corresponded to the process of alchemical transformation discussed in Psychology and Alchemy, one of his early publications in the collected works on the subject of alchemy. In the epilogue to Lieber Nobis, Young's precious and private account of his own descent, there is an epilogue which says, quote, I worked in this book for 16 years. My acquaintance with alchemy in 1930 took me away from it. The beginning of the end came in 1928, when Wilhelm sent me the text of the Golden Flower, an alchemical treatise. There the contents of this book found their way into actuality, and I could no longer continue working on it, that is, as Lieber Nobis. To the superficial observer, it will appear like madness. It would also have developed into one had I not been able to absorb the overpowering force of the original experiences. With the help of alchemy, I could finally arrange them into a whole. I always knew that these experiences contained something precious, and therefore I knew of nothing better than to write them down in a precious, that is to say costly book, and to paint the images that emerged through reliving it all as well as I could. I knew how frightfully inadequate this undertaking was, but despite much work and many distractions, I remained true to it. Lieber Nobis was Jung's Gnostic revelation in his midlife, after which, from 1930, he began an intense study of the alchemical tradition. Over the next 20 years, alchemy's symbolic language was a central theme in many publications. In 1944, Jung published Psychology and Alchemy, Volume 12 of the Collected Works, where he analysed alchemical symbols and showed a direct relationship to the process of analytic psychology. He showed that alchemy was the transformation of the impure soul, lead, to perfected soul, gold, and a metaphor for the individuation process. Alchemical Studies is Volume 13, originally published in 1967, and consists of five long essays upon the secret of the golden flower, the visions of Zosimos, the second-century Gnostic and alchemical mystic, Paracelsus as a spiritual phenomena, the spirit Mercurius, the philosophical tree. Volume 14, Mysterium Conjunctionis, literally translated the mysterious union of opposites, was his last book published in 1963, after his death, and among many other things explained the archetype of the sacred marriage between sun and moon. He argued again that the alchemical stages, the blackening, whitening, the reddening and yellowing, were symbolic of individuation. Volume 16 of the collected works with the title of The Practice of Psychotherapy, published in 1954, besides general essays on analytic therapy and dream analysis, has a unique essay using the alchemical text 
the Rosarium Philosophorum, which is a series of woodcuts illustrating alchemical transformations which Jung felt through unique light on the transference phenomena. Alchemy provided Jung with the historical continuity. From the repressed Gnostic traditions 2,000 years ago, at the start of the Christian aeon, through the Middle Ages, with alchemy as the underground mystical current. Alchemy was wed historically with Gnosticism, at least in Jung's appraisal. Thus, in his writings on alchemy, one finds abundant references to Gnostic texts presented with parallel commentaries. Before the secret of the golden flower, the world of alchemy lay within Jung like a massa confusa. His prima materia lay in him as the dreams and images of his patients, the world's mythologies, which he was increasingly able to interpret, his theories of the collective unconscious and archetypes, and especially the material he uncovered in his own descent. After the negredo of his personal crisis, the heating of the elements and opposites within his psyche continued, until the secret of the golden flower evoked the light of dawn within the dark mass of primordial images, and led to a conjunctio oppositorum and the emergence of the self, that great uniting of opposites. What European alchemy sought, ultimately, was a rebirth in this subtle body. And this is the same as Chinese alchemy, expressed in the secret of the golden flower, as the diamond body, or immortality, attained by the activation and circulation of the inner light. Young said, quote, When I began to understand alchemy, I realised that it represented the historical link with Gnosticism, and that a continuity therefore existed between past and present. Grounded in the natural philosophy of the Middle Ages, alchemy formed the bridge, on the one hand into the past, to Gnosticism, and on the other into the future, to the modern psychology of the unconscious. The possibility of a comparison with alchemy and the uninterrupted intellectual chain back to Gnosticism gave substance to my psychology. Unquote. In our next podcast, we examine Jung's relationship to Gnosticism. I hope you can join me for these.